Spectrum's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College is one of the most comprehensive colleges of communication in the country. It offers a foundation of creativity and practice so that graduates can move the world forward. In particular, the Scripps College offers challenging coursework that holds students to high expectations an integrated curriculum that combines a variety of disciplines and ideas, and student-driven media organizations where students can apply these skills and gain experience that enables them to hit the ground running upon graduation. That's the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some are not, but they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Ira Glass, the creator and host of This American Life, and the creator of the smash hit podcast, Serial. Ira discusses his creative process and how he's developed his personal broadcast style. Let's talk about This American Life a, a, a little bit. It, it reminds me sort of of in-depth newspaper or magazine feature stories. To, to you, is it, is it news or is it entertainment or both? It's both. It's it's very much both. In fact, if anything, like the, like the radio show is an experiment at seeing can you do journalism that's 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 of the quality that we do on public radio and and really sticking out uh, new material and, and reporting on things other people aren't reporting on and and doing all the things that journalism does at, at its most idealistic. Can you do that? But just as aggressively, be an entertainment. Like, can you be something that people listen to because they cannot pull themselves away? And, and can you combine those things? And I think when it comes to a weekly show, the answer is yes. I mean, I think it would be much harder to do with the daily news because you're, you're covering so many things uh, so fast. But I think with a weekly show, you totally can do it. I, I heard you say one time that uh, your show takes the smell of broccoli out of the air of public radio. Yes. I thought that was a great comment. Yes, yeah, and it, and it, and especially like when the show first went on the air, like there was a sense of like, like can you do idealistic public radio that doesn't kind of like isn't trying to make that you don't get the feeling of like this will make me a better person, but you just listen to it because it's fun. I think a lot of people jump right to the end and 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 talk about the the stories that they hear, but I, I'd like to step back a, a step or two and. And talk about how you find the stories, because it, it seems to me that that has to be the heart and soul of what you do, is finding good stories. Yeah, and it's 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 as disturbingly uh, inefficient and random a process as it was like when the show began, and and it's a mix of people. You know, will email us with ideas for stories, but then we're always looking for stories, and then sometimes we'll have a theme. Uh, where where you know basically we'll have one or two stories that we like, but then we just will go on a search for something else on the theme to fill it out. Like for example, last week we did a show where where the biggest part of the show was was this story that that we did in collaboration with the New York Times about a guy who got shot in a hospital room by police officers, unarmed guy. Alan and Payne, um, right? and, uh, and and then we had you know. 
12 or 13 minutes left over at, at the end of the show, and we're just like, well, what would go with this? And so we concocted this theme, uh, My Damn Mind, as as the theme. And in fact, we, we found another story for the top of the show that we didn't end up having time for about a, a dad who got the thing that happens at a wedding, very small personal story, kind of funny story. And um, and then uh, and then and then we went just kind of like looking for what else would go with that, um, because because the the person in our main story has a huge massive delusion, um, and we thought well, we'll go with that, and we had this idea of like well, what about people who are who who are going through some sort of brain dysfunction and and are trying to control it, and what is that what is that experience like? And we just set about looking for stories and found found the one that ended up filling the show. I. I... In one of the interviews I listened to that that you did, you said that you spend about uh, you get rid of about a third to half of the stories that you start out with. Absolutely, and last week is a good example. Like we did a really nice story about this guy at a wedding that just didn't go on the air. And and you vet those by by topic, or they don't. They just don't work, or you Usually find them not Usually interesting. Usually they're not good enough. Usually they just like. Like you just, they just don't work. I mean, with documentary production, the only thing you can do is just go out and try to make the stories. You know, just go out right. and try to do it, and then, and then see see how it feels, um, and see see if the people are good enough talkers, and see if they're interesting enough, and just see see what happens when you try to make it. But but you attribute part of your success, I believe, anyway, to to your ruthless ability to kill stories. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 and and you know, we do. We kill. Like, I, I kill probably one out of two interviews I do, and um, and 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 you know, around here we like to believe that killing something is a victory. Like, it's making it's making room for something better to come into existence, and 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 so so it's very much a big big part of it. Like, like if you think about the problem of wanting to get like an hour of material that's really sparkly and original and, and, and utterly new, right. you know, over and over and over again, the only way you can do it is to run at way more material than you would ever want to use and then, and then just like choose the very, very, very best. Do you uh, occasionally uh, listen to a show or review a show and go, oh man, we should have gotten rid of that one? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah, like like we like we don't we don't we're not successful every show for sure, and and then sometimes I have the other experience where like where there's a story there's an interview I did for this week's show that I was sure first of all I was sure the story couldn't be true, and then we fact checked it and it was like wow it's it's true. And then I was just like, oh, but what a dumb story. And then, like, and then I interviewed the guy, and the guy was totally delightful, and uh, and very believable, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's the opening of this week's show, and uh, and and uh, and and it's end of the story is about this guy who, when he was a uh, he, he was a uh, he was um, I can't remember what the what the kind of law enforcement it is that cracks down on. Uh, it's like fish and wildlife, right. where he cracks down on poachers and things like that. Right. And basically, the story is is. Uh, is uh, in in the dark of night in a very dark area. You you weren't allowed to fish past past six p.m. And some guys were fishing for salmon at uh, at this one area. And he basically like wait. He basically like got into the river from a point far away from them and swam down to where they were. So he's like thirty or forty yards offshore, and they're fishing by night in a very dark area. And they're throwing out these little glowy um, 
fish lures, and basically he grabs one and then and, and pretend and they you know they think oh we've got a big fish, and he basically basically like pull him into shore, and this when he gets in he arrests them. <laughs> I was like, this story cannot be true, and then I feel like no, we 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 ran it down. It's true, and then he told it really wonderfully. So so you've got a real gem, and you started out thinking it wasn't going to be much. It happens all the time. There's so many stories. I just think there's no way this is going to work at all, and then uh, and then they work out. And so you you kind of have to give yourself over to to chance. So when you're when you're evaluating a story, I know you have your your own uh, taste and and your own sense of of value to a story. But do you put yourself in in the role of average listener or average person out there, or do you do it just because you like it? Um, I, 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 I do it, like all, everyone on the staff, we do it because of whether or not we like it, you know, and, uh, and we just assume our taste is kind of normal taste and, and if we like it, other people like it. Do, do you, you go for informing your listeners or do you always go for an emotional hook with your listeners? Sorry, I said again? Well, it seems like do you go just to inform with a story just to inform your listeners or does there always have to be an emotional hook where you get your listeners emotionally involved with the main character or the theme of your story? Well, for for us, for the kind of journalism we're doing, there almost always has to be some sort of emotional hook. There has to be somebody to relate to um, in, in a situation where where you can feel something for them. I feel like that that's what's different from what we're doing from more traditional kinds of of broadcast journalism, excellent journalism. But I feel like what we're doing is these are stories with characters and scenes and funny moments and emotional moments and so so you really have to connect with somebody and that I think that's what makes them that's what makes them different. So for us and and you know and sometimes the stories we're doing they're very small and tiny and funny and you know just applying the tools of journalism to some very personal story and then sometimes it'll be about you know a much bigger issue. And uh and over the years honestly we've spent way more time on on the latter. Like like we as a staff we've just gotten more interested in using these storytelling tricks and techniques on on covering things that other people cover but but doing it in our style. And that style is uh, sort of – it's different than writing. It's different than a topic sentence or paragraphs. Uh, explain how it's different for the average listener out there. I mean, it's different even than, than the kind of you know reporting I would do when I was when I was working for the for, Daily News shows, all things yeah. considered, a Morning Edition, which I did for years and years before I started this show. I mean, in those shows, when you when it, you know to structure a story, you very much are doing very traditional sorts of journalism. The most important fact, the second most important fact, the third most important fact. You know what what, what baby reporters call like pyramid style right. and topic sentences, and you know you topic sentence, and then you fill out the paragraph with the details that explain the inverted pyramid. Yeah, yeah, totally. And 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 that's not the structure we use at all in in what we're doing. You know what we do is plot. It's it's plot driven. And so and so and so really what we're looking for is is a story where one thing happens and it leads to the next thing and it leads to the next thing. And in a good version of it, you know each one of the turns of the plot is surprising and it drives an idea that's surprising that you haven't heard before. And there's somebody to relate to all through it. And there's suspense and there's plot twists and things. And it, a, a word that I've heard you use is bait, that you can bait the listener to keep going? Yes. 
Yeah, like 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 the thing that's interesting is that plot itself is is bait. That is, right. just, just having a plot makes people wonder what will happen next, and we'll stick around for that. In addition to like all the other things you could do to make something interesting. But then you can discuss it as you go along. You you move, and then it seems like there's a discussion, and then there's a, a next part and a and a discussion. Yeah, in a way, like it's very reality TV. Anybody's ever seen reality TV? I mean, you alternate between. Except this is reality, right? It's except it's really real. Right. It's not just like yeah, extroverts in a big house with with cameras. But right. yeah, like in the way we're, we're for reality TV, you know, something will happen. There'll be a scene that'll happen, and then people will go to the like the room on the side where they talk directly to the camera about just what happened. In a way, it's a very similar structure. Like things happen, but then at some point, you want somebody to say something about it, and and. Uh, and uh, and so we're alternating between the plot part of it and the kind of the talking to the camera, like here's what I think about what just happened part of it, um, and going back and forth between the two. And and your role as as storyteller or narrator, do do you interject yourself in in this process? Yes. Yeah. Like 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 like. And this is this is more of a tradition of of feature reporting than. The news reporting, but but like in a in a great you know magazine story or something, sure. like our, like I and the other reporters in our show, like we totally interject, you know ourselves, uh, you know not in a kind of um, you know usually we won't pick a side in a fight, um, you know it's still mainstream media and we still are fair to all parties involved, but 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 we will give our impressions of things and and uh, and evaluate things for sure way more aggressively that than than you really can do in a, in a sort of a breaking news context, or should do, really. I heard you one time discuss that uh, you've sort of evolved in your storytelling, personal storytelling process from your early days at, at NPR and, and even later in your 20s, uh, that you just did stories, did stories, did stories. You didn't think they were very good, and then all of a sudden— they were. <laughs> explain, yeah. explain that process. We have a lot of students uh, who, who listen and are part of our audience. Explain that process. Well, one of the things I think people don't talk to you about when you're starting is like it's normal to be bad for a while. Like when you see a, like a movie about like a great artist – they're great from the beginning. And you're just like, well, that's well, all right for you. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But like most people who I know who write, I mean, there, there are a few exceptions. Like I do know some people who were brilliant when they began, but those are so unusual. Most people are like me and, and they started off not so great. And, um, and, and, you know, it took for me, it took a really long time. It took me, it took me seven or eight years of doing stories for NPR in Washington uh, before I feel like I actually was able to do one that that was good. And um, and uh, and up until then, they were like, okay, kind of mediocre sort of public radio stories. They were fine. But they were not, there was nothing interesting or memorable to them at all. And um, and I think I think a lot of us go through that, and especially like, and not just in in doing journalism, but I think a lot of people when they start off, like what you do is you imitate people who know what they're doing, and and you go through a whole sort of imitative phase of trying, you know, I mean, I went through a whole phase of trying to sound like a regular NPR news reporter, and uh, and sounded just like all the other people on the daily news shows, and then at some point I just decided like that isn't, you know, that it isn't so effective for me. I'm going to sound this other way, and I'm going to 
you know just rethink certain things and I, and 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 so and so and, and I just remember like all through my 20s to not be good and to be working at NPR's network headquarters I just felt like I was living in this environment where everybody around me had this magic power that I had no idea how you could ever get a bit, you know, like in the hallway, I would see like Nina Totenberg and Cookie right. Roberts and like people who are like the best in the country at what they do. And it just seemed to like be this like magic trick that they could do of like, you know, go to a thing and evaluate these would be the interesting parts and speak about it well and write it really concisely and just be so interesting. And I feel like, oh, I don't, it just felt like I, I will never learn this. I felt like I would never learn this. And, and the fact is, is that you know, just by making yourself go through it again and again and again and again and again, like that's what makes you learn it. You just have to, you just have to, you just have to log the hours, and it, and then eventually you find you're on the other side of a thing. And it, and it helps if obviously if you have like, if you if you if you conspire to get you know good editors or good you know people who know better than you to run your stuff by, um, and and truthfully, like there was a period where I would just pay NPR editors. To, or, and reporters who I liked, I would just pay them fifty bucks to like, could you read this script and tell me what I'm do, what I'm doing wrong, and you know, and and get and it would just pay people to help me, sure, um, which was cheaper than than grad school. Like I spent <laughs> my, all my twenties wondering should I go to grad school in journalism, and I was like, I don't even know if I could get it together to do that, and, and you know, just and anyway. why, right? Yeah, so yeah, so. When you finally got it, you you changed from this uh, trying to be an NPR voice to to just having a conversation with your audience. Uh, that seems to just reel people in. I mean, on Saturdays, it sounds like you're talking just to me. That's what I'm shooting for, so I'm glad it sounds that way. <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird thing, like like talking on the radio like it's still weird to me when i have to go into the studio to say my lines you know what i mean like, it's just right. a weird it's just a weirdly i just think like wait this is what i do for my job i perform on the radio like i'm talking to one person but it's really just completely fake i'm really just sitting in a soundproof room talking <laughs> to no one you know it's just like the whole idea of it is so strange and hoping that you connect yeah yeah yeah, it's, it's just such a weird act of faith. We'll be back after this message. This program's brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College offers the foundation for individuals seeking to blend creativity and practice so that graduates have the freedom to direct their skills and move the world forward. The Scripps faculty takes a multidisciplinary approach to academic, professional, and social growth so that graduates have relentless optimism to navigate the changing media environment. The Scripps College of Communication is one of the most comprehensive colleges of communication in the country and was named a Center of Excellence in Ohio in 2010. It's proud to showcase the Stephen L. Schoonover Center for Communication, the brand new facility that opened in 2015. State-of-the-art laboratory spaces and flipped classrooms are just two of the many features in this new building. Learn more about the Scripps College of Communication at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. 
Let me change gears a little bit and, and talk about uh, the podcast explosion that we're experiencing now. It seems like everybody and their grandmother has a podcast out there. Um, why is that? That's a really good question. You know, it's funny. I haven't even thought about that that question. I mean, I think it doesn't seem that hard. And, uh, you know, everybody's computer comes with, like, GarageBand or whatever the MS-DOS right. version is. And, like, so you can edit sound. It's not that hard. It's just, like, cutting and pasting in a, in a you know, Microsoft Word document or something. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard, I think. And then, and then, uh... And I think that the novelty of it is is hitting people. It's so weird because radio is like our oldest electronic media. Like nobody thinks radio is like the novelty of radio, but just the fact that you can download it and listen when you want has made it seem utterly new. It's ridiculous if you think about it. And then and then and then you know podcasting like from a business point of view like went through a huge change last fall, the fall of uh, not 2015 but 2014, okay. so a year ago. When when um, the big change, the two things happened really. One was was Apple added an, a podcast app to the iPhone. So like basically, when you got your iPhone, there was this app, and before then, it was really like, wait, how do I get a podcast? Like, what is it? Like nobody. <laughs> how really, do I find it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 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 it was, it was really hard. But now you know, there's this app. You just push it, and they list the top fifty or hundred podcasts. And you can be like, oh, I'll try this one. You know, and. Um, that was new and and really really changed it. And then the other thing that happened was was Serial, which is a podcast put out by by some of some of the This American Life producers right. with Sarah Koenig hosting. Right. And um and and you know we did it as just this little experiment. We're just like I don't know if anybody's going to listen. It really was just in fact with the way that they would talk about it. It's like oh what's really nice about this is it's not like anybody's really going to hear it. Like it's just an experiment. And then it became so unbelievably popular, um, where eight million at this point eight million people over eight million have downloaded every episode of it, which is just a crazy number. It's it's you know it's bigger than most things in broadcasting. You right. know, you know Fox Television on a you know on a good hour is you know two and a half million. You know, like like it's just Im- immense. Um, you know. Breaking Bad, two, three, four million people watched it each episode, and and so and so to be able to do something with such crazy numbers, suddenly like Saturday Night Live did a parody of it, and people were talking about it, and press was writing about it, and just like suddenly it was just sort of announcing the arrival of this this phenomenon. It's it's amazing stories and amazing storytelling uh, combined with my pet theory is that. Audio and podcasting, but audio itself is still the most mobile form of of media. And yeah. and and since we seem to be gravitating more and more and more towards mobile, uh, it seems to be the natural fit. It's, I had never thought about that way. I think you're exactly. I think you're exactly right. I mean, when you think about it, there are all these activities you want to be able to be entertained during, but you can't look at a screen like you if you're right. driving, if you're cooking, like. Right. You know, just like, and so, and so, there's a limit to what you can do with stuff that you're looking at, and uh, and so, so yeah. I mean, that honestly, like that's the the way that we've talked about it is like is like you know if if you want we want to be making something that's as good as the very best television, you know, where you're just totally pulled in, and you, you know you have to get every episode, and you just have to find out what happened. We want to compete with that, but but no pictures. 
So you're going through the second version of of Serial now, but but you're also expanding. You mentioned earlier, and it just came out this last week, the the investigative reporting partnership with the New York Times. That that's an interesting variation as well. Yeah, though I mean, I will say, like we've done other projects uh, with the New York Times, and we've done other investigative things uh, with ProPublica, and we have coming up in a few weeks with uh, the Marshall project which is another investigative reporting outfit so we've so we've so it's it's not so new for us to do a big investigative thing with with print people um but uh yeah that was the latest one switching subjects uh you seem to have a a real knack in in recognizing talent and and i'm talking about people like david sedaris and and mike berbiglia and, and sarah koenig and and others I'm I'm sure the list goes on. Uh, do you have a special way of doing that, or do you, how how does that come about? Because you've been highly successful. I mean, honestly, like I I don't I I I mean I feel like I've just gotten really lucky. I don't <laughs> I don't I wish I could say that I have some technique. I mean I mean you know when when you're putting on a show every week, you have to go through a tremendous amount of material and. And and so a lot of people will be doing stories, and then and then just I think in the normal mix of, of like you know some people are just amazing and some people are, are real good, like you'll get a certain number of real amazing ones, and uh, you know and I just think that's kind of the luck of the draw. Like I I really wish I could claim more credit as being like a talent, talent, a talent scout. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like it really is just a, like a, a sort of an accidental byproduct. Of having to make a show every week, and that and that anybody who who's making a weekly show, we have a lot of people on, would 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 probably have the same number of of hits. What's interesting with some of the people, though, is is that some of them like got so much better um, over the course of doing radio pieces. Like Sarah, when she first came to us, Sarah Koenig, you know, she was a she was a reporter, she was a print reporter from the Baltimore right. Sun. And a great print reporter, but like she learned all of radio while working at the show. So there are things that she does now that would have been unimaginable to her when she started. In fact, she's talked about how the very first piece of hers that she did for us during the edit, you know, where she would read the piece, read the right. script, and play the quotes, and we would all give her notes. During the edit, she's like, she's like, she said since like she couldn't even understand what we were doing, like what we were doing or why she couldn't understand the changes that were being made and why they were being made. Like it was so another language, and uh, but then you know, of course, over years of of doing stories, she she's she's become such an amazing writer and interviewer. And she, she has that amazing combination of being a hardcore journalist and and an amazing journalist but but having a delivery again like she's talking to you a person individually yeah she's 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 quite an amazing broadcaster it, it, like like she's I, I have to say like i work with a number of people where i feel like oh you're just better at this than i am i feel that about her i feel that about Hannah joffe walt i nancy updike's uh, sean cole They're, like i just feel like I, I i now work in an office where i'm not the best one at all but you're still the one in charge. That's just because I got here first. Like, <laughs> okay. I really, it's just like dibs. You know, it really, like, like it's really, yeah, just, I'm just older than they are. That's my, that's my edge. 
you went independent uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it, do you like the business side of what you do? Because I'm sure that's uh, creeping into more and more of your daily activities. I have always liked the business side of, of having the radio show. And uh, and from the very beginning, 20 years ago, when it was me and Tori Malatia, right. um, my old boss at WBEZ, who were doing all the business decisions ourselves, um, like it's 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 doing you know the business of a public radio show is such a simple business that it's at a level that I can understand it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's not so complicated. You know, you you try to like get your show onto public radio stations and be sure they get what they need when it comes to promotions and pledge drives and and you know and and uh, you know so and um and then you know you reach out to listeners in certain ways like it's not and you, you try to get underwriting like it's not super complicated but you've got to so, make payroll yeah got to make payroll yeah and so and so i feel like it, it's a simple enough business that 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 i could you know i didn't need to go to business school for it and uh and i like it like i like thinking through the like the business problems and how do we do this and how do we do that and if and you know do we want to expand in this way or that way and and uh, it's it's fun. Like like, the, like running the business is just like another little kind of toy to to play with in a certain way. Right. Well, I've got one last question. It's totally off topic. Uh, I, I saw that you got your degree from Brown in semiotics. Yes, sir. Well, explain to our listeners what semiotics is. I, I've tried to look it up, and I think I have an idea. But but I, I want to hear from you. And how does it play into what you do? I mean, I have a degree in semiotics. What it is, it's it's a it's a very pretentious body of French uh, theory about a bunch of things. But 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 the part that I'm interested in is its theory of narrative, of of how do stories work, and 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 so I started working at NPR in Washington when I was 19, and then transferred to Brown the year after that. And so I was thinking about how do you make radio when I was at Brown, getting my degree, and and with semiotics. What semiotics is interested in is 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 like how do stories like pull you in and engage you and then give pleasure like like it's like a weird thing to say, but that's really what what they're about like 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 what semiotics theory is about is is like is like what keeps you what keeps you tuned to the station what keeps you turning the pages of a book like what keeps you watching a tv show like what is it giving you that pulls you forward and then and then and then you if you know that like that feeling at the right. end of like a really great story where it just feels like ah oh, that was so good like what semiotics is interested in is what what creates that feeling like it's not interested in things like what are the themes of the you know, story. Sure, what are the sure. author's intent? It's not none of the stuff we remember from English class. What it's interested in is just the machinery of the story. Like, how does it create suspense? How does it how does it deliver on the questions that it raises? Um, and so and so, learning that when I did, it was just like an enormously useful toolbox of things that then I was immediately putting into effect, trying to see like, can you apply this to radio pieces? And honestly, like a lot of what this American life is comes out of comes out of this body of theory that I learned when I was when I was in school because um, it touches emotion it just doesn't convey information exactly and and also like and also like a lot of like what does plot give you you know like 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 it's not just emotion that you want in a story but you want suspense you want something raising questions and pulling you forward you need a skeleton to hang the flesh of the thing on 
We've been talking with Ira Glass, the creator and host of This American Life and the originator of the podcast, Serial. We want to thank you for listening to this edition of Spectrum. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Coming up next time is a free-ranging conversation with comedian Paula Poundstone, who is still traveling the country with her unique form of stand-up, plus writing a book and appearing as a panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. For more information about Spectrum, go to woub.org.